Dude, I'm trying to here. It's that wine, y'all. Just, just, that just, just start. Okay, we'll you see start. what happens. Yo, what's up? I'm Alan. What's up? I'm Jimmy. I'm Amari. We're Tulengua. And you're listening to Step Off Productions. Sick. Welcome back to another episode of Step Off Radio, the official podcast of Step Off Magazine. So as you guys probably gather from the intro, today's episode is going to be a little different than how we normally do things. On today's episode, or uh, the lost episode. I always wanted to do that. Uh, We're going to share our conversation with bilingual hip-hop group Tulengua. A little bit more on them in just a minute, but before we get started, first I wanted to give you guys a backstory on the history of this episode and how the whole process went of kind of uncovering this and bringing it to you guys finally on the show. So a little bit of back history. This episode was recorded last year on February 27th, 2020, which quite frankly, feels like a lifetime ago now at this point. And ironically, it was actually our first episode that we conducted via video over Zoom. And it was actually recorded out in their backyard while they were barbecuing with a group of friends, which is unthinkable now, which I guess just goes to show how much things have changed over the course of the past year. But anyways, shortly after this interview was recorded, I took a trip out to New York City. And when I got back to California... My computer crashed. I lost a bunch of material that I was working on at the time. Uh, Tried a bunch of different ways of recovering all the lost stuff, but it was really to no avail. As I'm sure many of you remember, March 13th is when the government declared a national state of emergency. And here in California, the state declared its own statewide lockdown as well. And things got pretty hectic from there. A lot of businesses closed. I actually got furloughed from the job that I was working at at the time. And a lot of people were just trying to figure out how to traverse this new normal that we've really had to adjust to. Anyways, with so much going on, losing the interview was really something that kind of fell to the wayside. But almost a year later, my friend and I, Greg, were working on the website, adding the new podcast page. And in the process of doing that, we actually discovered a backup file of this interview tucked away in a folder. I'm not sure how it got there or why, but as my friend Greg says, computers only do what you tell them, even if you didn't mean to. So lucky for us, we were actually able to recover the interview, like completely as it was recorded. So with that said, we're going to dive into our interview with Tulengua, but first a little word from some friends of the show. See you soon. Kiburasa, powerful, persistent, and prolific. We are Perseverance Clothing. Look us up, www.perseveranceclothing.net. Shop now. You won't regret it. Y que viva la raza. Shout out to Step Off Magazine. Stay up. Listen up. We are here. Much love. So as I said before, guys, this episode is The Lost with Tulengua, which was recorded just prior to the release of their album, Low Key Bangersville. Now, for those of you that don't know, Tulengua is a bilingual, biracial, and binational hip-hop group that is comprised of group members Amari Jordan, uh, Alan Lilithal, and Jimmy Mora. Some of the members uh, live here in San Diego. 
some of the group members live in Tijuana, and together they create this tapestry of different cultures, languages, sounds that's quite unlike anything else really in hip-hop, guys. It's just truly this group and musical movement that defies not only language and borders, but musical genres as well. So in our conversation today, or should I say a year ago, we detail the origins of Tulengua, how all the members met, the various nuances that entail being a binational hip-hop group, and their experiences regarding living along the southern border. So with that said, we present to you Step Off Radio, the See us all? Yeah, I can see you guys. I can see all three of you. Alright, cool. You start. <laughs> Alright, it's Jamie from Tulengua. It's cracking. Oh, I'm Amari. I'm uh, also known as Black Pussycat, La Reina Negra. God. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm Alan. I'm also a part of Tulengua. Awesome. So let's dive into your guys's, you know, history. Like, how did you guys all meet uh, one another and get into making music? Tinder. Yeah, me and Amari met on Tinder, and me and Jimmy <laughs> met on SoundCloud. So we're a very uh, internety band. <laughs> Straight up. It's a very twenty-first century way of meeting. Yeah, it really is. Um, we just kind of love at first sight in different ways. Amari and I was. It was like 98% match or something? Yeah, 98%. And then Jimmy's beats were on SoundCloud, and I was making beats and um, wanted, at that time, more Tulengua. The idea for Tulengua was for it to be kind of a cross-border collective. And since I was the only one making beats, and I, at that time I lived in San Diego, now I live in Tijuana, but I wanted to find someone in Tijuana who also made beats. Um, so I looked up hashtag Tijuana, and Jimmy came up, and his beats were amazing. So that's how we met. So, like, when you guys first started making music, were you just doing this, like, uh, via online, or were you guys actually meeting in person, like, doing it organically? Yeah, always, as soon as, I mean, as soon as I met Amari, I was, like, on, through Tinder, I was, like, um, yo, we should, like, we found out we were both musicians, and I was just, like, yo, we, this is tight, like, we should make some music together, so I went over to her house, she lived in Spring Valley at the time, and at that time, she hadn't met she hadn't met Jaime, but I brought, I, I had, I, we had been communicating on SoundCloud for like maybe two or three months. Two months. Trying to meet up just because he lived in Rosarito and I lived in San Diego. So I was like, obviously trying to coordinate that with an international border between us was not super easy, but eventually we made it work and I went down there. No, I, I've always liked the idea of meeting in person. Like I think music has to, it's like, I don't know, like having sex, like you can't do that. I mean, yeah, yeah, people do do that online, but it's better if it's in person. If it's in person, Yeah. Is making music is probably similar uh so yeah immediately we were always trying to meet up and i finally met up with him and i brought some of his beats and some of my beats over to amari and that's how it got started and i think it was a few months went by before all three of us got in the same room together okay i was gonna swipe left thank god she didn't <laughs> <laughs> so all of you guys were making uh music prior to forming Tulengua. Let's go through like your individual stories more or less, you know, like what was your individual inspirations for first making music? Initial inspirations. Oh man, I've been making music since I was like nine or 10. Um, I, I moved here from Mexico city when I was eight. I'm going to keep this brief just cause I, I could talk about this for a long time, but I don't, I, I don't think it's necessary. And I couldn't speak to anyone cause I didn't speak English and I, I, I grew up Jewish. So I learned Hebrew growing up and I, and I went to a Jewish school here. And I remember when I was eight, and I couldn't talk to anyone in my class. I just felt kind of alienated. The music teacher started singing. So it was like this music was kind of this connector um, for me and the people around me that I couldn't communicate with. So from that moment on, I kind of just like subconsciously felt that music was what I was going to do. And I've been in bands since I was 12, 13, moved to New York and was in bands, all kinds of bands, African dance bands, reggae bands, folk bands, rock bands. Um, this is actually my first hip-hop, the first time I've been in a hip-hop band. 
Um, and yeah, I just started playing guitar and then I started eventually writing lyrics and producing beats. And now we kind of, we just kind of do a little bit of everything. It's an awesome story, man. <laughs> About me, um, well, music was kind of like always there. Um, I'm not gonna go like super into it, but I remember when I was in high school, I kind of formed like a hip hop and that didn't go well. So I stopped making music for a few years. But you're always playing instruments. Yeah, I mean, not seriously, just like from time to time, until I heard this fucking, um, like fucking, I don't, I don't remember if it was Travis Scott, Daisy Poor Rodeo, it was some shit, but I kind of like found it interesting to make, so I learned how to make beats, and I just made beats for myself, so I could go to for a run and listen to them, until a niece of mine grabbed my iPod and fucking heard some of that shit, she kind of liked it, so she encouraged me to fucking, uh upload them as, as, as beat tapes so that's how i met this guy and we're here yeah the funny thing is he, if he wouldn't have put hashtag tijuana on his beat tapes i would have never found it yeah, met him crazy man. like just the fact that he hashtag tijuana so hashtags do work like that's the only way that i found him he even came across his music yeah <laughs> all right amari your turn okay um i mean i have been doing music since i was a kid too but i I kind of just stuck to like myself for a long time, like just writing and harmonizing on my own accord. Um, I remember people wanting to get down, but I was very just selective about certain shit. I didn't really start experimenting outside of myself until I probably was in high school. And I started playing at like 10. So that's a long time to just be kind of playing music by yourself in your room and shit isolated. Mm-hmm. And um, I think once I got to college, I was just really trying to find a broader sound. And I did play with some bands and open up for different people. And I like did like mini tours and stuff, but I never felt like I found my footing, if you will. Like I just, I kind of was just kind of going in circles, kind of chasing my own tail. And I don't know, I put out EPs and I wrote other people's EPs and I spent a lot of time making beats for people and stuff. Kind of getting used a lot too. Or, um, Another thing was just, like, when I was in bands or groups, they would just quit. Like, randomly, no one was, like, super serious about the passion of music, so that's what made me go back to this, like, reclusive-ass process I was in the beginning. It was, like, a full circle. Mm-hmm. And then, swipe left, Tinder. Swipe left, Tinder. <laughs> so, you guys formed... Uh... I, feel like I, I like that Tinder story, but that's fucked up. We should tell the real story. Um, no, we should, because I know it doesn't feel right. You're breaking it. No, I have to. Did you, did you believe us? The Tinder story? How, how, how is the Tinder story going? That's kind of believable because it was a self Well, we'll, 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 we'll keep it up for another for another interview, but yeah, that, that's not actually how you met. No, <laughs> I just think about it, I'm like, that's fucked up. But everything else is true. Everything else is true. Everything else is true. We just started and it just kept, the ball kept rolling. We yeah, just I just, <laughs> no, because I said it in a different interview too. And I, we actually met, I'll tell you super quickly how we met. I was, when I was kind of looking at, looking for people to join to Lengua, I went to a rap battle in Barrio Logan where I, I was kind of acquaintances friends with Rick Scales. I don't know if you know Rick Scales. Yeah, I know Rick. He's battle champ of San Diego. He just always wins battles. Um, so I was like, he invited me to go to this Wu-Tang rap battle where they were like rapping over Wu-Tang. Hurting little niggas feelings and shit. Yo, I'm on that move shit. That's something to prove shit. If it ain't raw, I don't want nothing to do with. Beating something rim sisters is stupid. On front street completely for the people's amusement. Rappers act bitch, you might turn abusive. Nowhere to run from it. Resisting is useless. No hiding places safe when I'm at it. I'm a savage for the mic smashing these rappers like that Frank out the attic. When it comes to these bars, ain't shit that I'm lacking. Other than sensibility to quit the attack. And I'm untamed, no leash, crow crushing, no peace, so beast, eating MCs till I'm obese, like OGs busting the beast, to the hammer jam, I'm causing panic till it's apocalyptic panorama, my stamina's on bottomless pit when the beat's on, mine's like wearing the fleece when the heat's on, yeah. Like I went with my friend and I was like, I was expecting to just go see Rick win because he always wins. Mm-hmm. And I went and Amari was battling Rick. Like, I didn't know who this person was, but she went first. And I just remember so clearly, Amari went, and I turned to my friend Matt, and I was like, yo, holy fuck, I think Rick's gonna lose. And, like, obviously from that moment, I was like, I gotta talk to this girl. Like, I don't know who she is, but she's crazy. And I found out that was Amari's first rap battle ever. So the fact that she did that, that was 
crazy because everyone felt it in the audience. They were like, she killed that. She killed And yeah, so I went up to her after. I'm like, yo, who are you? We got to make music. And a few weeks later, through email, we got together. Nice. Yeah, I was kind of, I wasn't ditching him, but I remember emailing him. We were like, I don't know, because I'm reclusive. I am a reclusive weirdo. So I remember initially, I don't know, actually, it was was real life shit why we couldn't meet at the beginning, but I did also feel weird about working with people because I just had been so, I don't know, I guess I had been so let down in the past. I was just like, ugh, like, let's just make it quick. (laughs) But we made it quick. It was like 10 songs. Yeah. It just happened. Avari, you were saying how, like, there's this difficulty of working in a band. Like you said, people get flaky. Sometimes life happens. People move on. You don't see people doing very many hip-hop groups these days. You know, for the most part, it's just an MC. They might link up with a producer or two. But what was this catalyst to actually form, like, a hip-hop group? Like, especially since it's so uncommon these days. I think it's just because, I mean, Alan was already on the Baja Funk tip, and then I'm already in the hip-hop and R&B myself as a solo act. And I was making hip-hop And then beats. he was making all these trap-like beats, and it just made sense. I was making lo-fi beats. And lo-fi. But also, we also were instrumentalists as well, so it's just like, we found a way to bridge the gap of not just hip-hop. That's the thing, too. We're not just a rap group, you know? So I think that's what made us different, different like, diversified. Yeah, if he comes to us live, it's... It's like it's a real pretty life genreless. Yeah. Like it's rock. It's a rock band that does hip hop, kind of. It's also what all of our influences too are like bleeding through. It's like he likes the Beatles. I like Prince. Mm-hmm. You know, so like I like Pink Floyd. Exactly. So all those influences too bled through, and that's another reason why I think I was really into it because it wasn't just hip hop. And if it was just hip hop at some points, still our influences and the fact that we're our, our own entities bled through. So. That's kind of why. But I do agree. There's not as many. Most people we, like, do shows with or whatever, they just plug in. They have their DJ. They have their producer. That's it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I do, I do agree with that. Between the three of you, how would you best describe, like, your sound or, like, the genre that you guys fit in? Because, like you said, there isn't, like, one single genre that you can guys can tack onto Tulangwe. It's such this mishmash and uh, kaleidoscope really of all these different influences majestic <laughs> <laughs> uh, majestic funk um, yeah I don't know I, don't, I think we're coming I, th- I think it's not only us I think it's like a, a generational thing I think genres are becoming more and more obsolete because we have so much access to so much music at our fingertips and you see it in music festivals where maybe there was the hip hop festival and the punk festival now music festivals like you have back-to-back bands that are completely different genres yeah and i think that we fall very clearly into that the fact that we're also like speak different languages i think we are kind of unclassifiable i think hip-hop is a foundation of what we do but again hip-hop to me at least is a collage of all genres hip-hop samples from every genre yeah no doubt hip-hop is a foundation for us but but hip-hop is also a collage of every other genre so i don't think we can be class. I think we just make music. Cosmic universe genre. <laughs> yeah, I think we just make music that speaks to us. And people that think they know what kind of music we make, the next time we release might totally throw them off. They'll be like, what the fuck are yeah, they that's doing? Because like, if you think about Baja it keeps Park, happening. Like, yeah. Like, feelings versus Loki Bangerville. So, yeah. Really even for it. ourselves, like, we want to keep just experimenting with new yeah. sounds and new, new flavors. Yeah. Like, I think, like, another thing that throws people off sometimes is because there is a the um, bilingual element in your music. Most of the time when you put that with hip-hop, there seems to be, like, two places where you get you get categorized. And if you use Spanish and hip-hop, it's either Chicano rap or it's, like, reggaeton. And obviously, Tulengua does not fall into either of those subcategories. You know, you guys are very eclectic. Yeah, but maybe we do... We do love reggaeton and Chicano rap, so maybe we will do it in the future. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like um, individually, like uh, like Amara, you said like Prince was a big influence. Like individually, who would you say are some of like your biggest personal influences? You know, from producers to like uh, rappers and singers. Brian Leslie, I love Black Thought. I love the Roots. Um, she loves Third Eye Blind. I love Third Eye Blind. I love Creed. <laughs> I love the Beatles, and I love 
Kanye's production, and I love a tribe called Quest and Gustavo Cerati's and uh, an Argentinian dude. That's the thing. It's like my my. I think all of our ranges are so in depth that it's never just one genre or one to feel or. I don't know. I, yeah. listen to, I listen to shit that I'm sure people will be like, no, this black bitch ain't. Yeah, I don't think I have one. I just <laughs> listen to a lot of old shit. And, and you should. We all listen to... Yeah, yeah, I know, but a lot of us listen to more older music. Deep down. Who? Like, who? <laughs> you like the who? I like the who. The who's shit, I like the who. Who's shit? Keith Moore's a shit. Yeah, I think to me, like, one of the biggest... I mean, like, I was very shocked to hear Amari's biggest influences are, like, Prince and Third Eye Blind. You know, like, cause he, she's like, you, you hear her music and she's like this hard rapper. And I'm like, such a fuck, Third Eye Blind? And I, I love Third Eye Blind. Word, but like, word too, like. Yeah, you, she knows every song, like, <laughs> word for word, like the deep cuts. You know, not just like, do, 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 do. Not the greatest hits. It's <laughs> <laughs> right. wild. I love everything. Yeah. I love anything that sounds good. It was fun. I don't know if that answers the question, but I think we all have a very broad. <laughs> Spectrum when it comes to the music that we like. For sure. Yeah, we can go from Marvin Gaye to Bengal Boys. Yeah. yeah, like never come to a Tulango party and like if you want to hear this one down, because you want. Yeah, I, th- I think that that very much um, captures the spirit and sound of Tulangua is that variety. Um, your, totally. Your guys' uh, last project prior to um, Loki Bangerville was Baja Funk. Check it out, yeah. Como encuentras el camino si caminas dormido? Como quieres despertar si te sientes vencido? Vente conmigo, no te quedes callado, sé testigo. Practica el entender, apunta luz al enemigo. Yo te sigo, no me importa ser el más popular. Se trata de ser como un río hacia el mar. Conectarte con algo más grande que Instagram. Revivir la humanidad en la tierra de Tío Sam. Respeta Islam. En realidad no hay libertad hasta que todos seamos libres Democracia es puro cuento hasta que el mundo se equilibre Nacionalismo ya no nos sirve Seguimos digiriendo el cambio, más de jengibre Bajo el odio hay puro miedo, hecho duro como hielo Paso el sol por una lupa y se lo apunto, agujero back history about that project you know how did that come about and you know what was the creative process behind that project technically it was feelings yeah. like the ep feelings but we can take it back to baja funk and move through the through the, the through the discography yeah baja funk was very very different the process from what we are now because like baja funk when that started being made to lingua was very even unclear what it was um uh, I, it started as a conversation between me and Slack Barrett, who is the other pretty much primary English voice you hear cross-border group, mm-hmm. right? Like, just, it was at the time when Donald Trump had just been elected, and, and we wanted, I, I was already doing a lot of cross-border things, and seeing so much fluidity and collaboration and communication between both sides that wasn't necessarily being spoken about in the media. It was always about, like, just the division and the wall and all that shit. So we wanted to create something that showed the the unity and the community between both sides and that could represent the kind of like the beauty that's created when people come together despite the differences. Uh, so we just, honestly, just, it started with the beat Baja That's how it started. I showed Caleb this beat. And he's like, yo, dude, we should start rapping together. I'm like, dude, for sure. And I'll do it in Spanish and you do it in English. 
and we'll get people from both sides of the border together. So we just started making songs, and the first maybe five, six songs were just me and him, like just going back and forth, English, Spanish, kind of processing our feelings about the political climate that was going on in America. And you hear it about punk, like there was, it was such a shit show and we were just wanting to write about it. And through throughout the recording of Baja Funk, that's when we started finding people. Like I found Amari halfway through that and that's why she, you hear her on a few songs. Jimmy didn't really, I didn't, we didn't really start making music until maybe Baja Funk was pretty much done. Um, and there's even other people in, in, in Baja Funk that were going to, were like in talk, like, yeah, we're just like, part of the Tulengua universe because at that point like I said it wasn't a solid group it was just more of a collective of people wanting to get people together um, but yeah so that's that's how that was made and by the end of Baja Funk Tulengua was me and Mari and Jim mm-hmm. like by the time that was finished it was very slack the dude who was on it had moved to the east coast and you know I think the universe works in mysterious ways and like it was just very clear that me and Mari and Jimmy had this kind of unique bond. So let's do a bond. Yeah. Yeah. You also brought up like bringing up um, social issues in the music. And uh, one of the ways that manifests is that you guys have collaborated with Border Angels, the migrant rights group, several times. Um, and you guys have like even worked on like you've, you've featured them one of your videos you know, how did you guys first initially get uh, start working with Border Angels in your music? Uh, I was doing a, a podcast, not the one that I do now at KBBS, but the one before that, which was called Curacaos, where I was doing like live live conversations with people in front of an audience and heard of Border Angels. And I, I, I'm just, I mean, I, I'm an immigrant myself, and like my grandparents moved to Mexico because they had to flee. So I think that's just naturally in my blood, like just wanting to, this feeling of like just help people belong, I guess, and, and, and stand up for migrant rights. It's just naturally in my life because that's who I am. So Border Angels came to my attention and I, and I invited Enrique, who was, is the founder of Border Angels, to the show. And that conversation started and I just, I don't know, I've always felt like music, music is this great kind of weapon or tool that is not always, like now, I mean, music is, has become it is entertainment, obviously, but it can be so much more than that. Entertainment and a tool for change and for bringing people together. So I always knew that whatever I did musically, I wanted that element of it to be very present. Um, so because Baha Funk was born from this tension, this political tension and, and all the bullshit that was being spewed from, from, from Washington, uh, I think from the, from the gate, since Tulengo was almost like, it almost felt like I didn't like it wasn't created by me and Caleb. It was like just born from this what was happening in the country and the climate, right? So mm-hmm. it felt like almost like a responsibility to give back to that. So f- from the gate, I wanted it to be very clear what Tulengua what Tulengua stood for, you know, like that. Yes, it's entertainment and it's hip hop and it's fun and it's a fucking party and it's lit and it's great, but it's also like it's being put at the service of something else, something that's beyond just you know, ego. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, um, and you guys are, for lack of a better term, like a socially conscious group. And, you know, like there's a lot of like, particularly in hip hop, you know, there's a lot of artists that they shy away from that label. They don't want to be labeled as just the, the social, uh, socially conscious MC or the political group or stuff like that. But you guys, Due to the nature of your music, that's very much at the forefront. Do you think that artists, you know, especially with influential platforms, have like a duty to speak out about these kind of topics, like in the ways that you do? Not to stand for something or nothing at all. Everyone has some sort of forefront of why they do it. Don't get me wrong. City or just like family or, you know, or just wanting to not be the underdog. I mean, there's all these different reasons, but I feel like, I don't know, I personally did all the ego stuff. Like I said, I toured, I had my fun doing music too. That's just like a solo act. And I don't know, I just didn't feel as fulfilling to, even though I feel like I was going to return, like, it just didn't feel like as fulfilling as actually, it's like having a kid. Like you, you all of a sudden don't serve you anymore. 
And I think ultimately, because we're, I mean, not to get like super religious or something, it's just like, I believe in a creator. So like deep in my heart, I know, you know, it's, it's also just not fucking about me. And there's, there's so many people out there who can't speak, you know, that why, why not pivot for a voice that they could attach themselves to, whether they speak our language or not, you know. And when I was performing in front of people in Mexico who did not speak English, and they still accepted that, like, because they knew in their heart what we were doing, it just felt so much more um, fulfilling, and just, like, it just felt like this was like a home-based situation, you know, and... Um, I don't want to keep going on and off. That's I think that's the why we all do what we do. Yeah, it's all about we don't want to just, just I don't know. We just it's separating ourselves because what is life at the end of the shit? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just, again, I want to stand for something that meant something. I think that's all we want to do truly, but we don't always know how to voice it. I think the unique thing also about Tulane was that like, well, a like 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 hard to classify what we do. Like we don't ever just want to be in the like the conscious rap box or like the whatever. I think we just make music that we love. We also sometimes talk about fucking bullshit like birds, like, you know, just being fly and getting smoking weed and like having sex and whatever because that's being human, right? I think I think, I think, think the interesting thing about the language that I've come to realize is like no matter what we're doing, whether we're, we make a song about that's like just turning up at the club or whatever because we do that because that's who we are. We're not only out on the streets protesting, you know, like we're, we're fucking human and we have egos and we have sex and it's great. But I think the fact that we're just like we're from both sides of the border, we're kind of erasing boundaries and and showing that people can come together. I think that infuses anything we do with like this this weight that it's about more than just the music. It's about coming together, and I think that's what's really cool about this group. You yeah, know, man, it's all about doing the greater good and get fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> In that order, actually, you can yeah. do both at the same time. Yeah, yeah. In that order, yeah. Yeah, like, and with that said, you guys are very much like a binational group. Like, uh, several of you guys, you know, live in Mexico. How's the experience of having to cross like an international border and dealing with immigration and you know, coordinating with group members who literally live in two different countries? How's that shaped your guys' worldview? But also, you know, how you make music and perform, you know, in venues both north and south of the border. Does that ever complicate things, or is it more so than if you were just like performing in the states, would you say? Well, me living there, man, and uh, sometimes it's just stressing as fuck. But me, something has to be done. So, fuck it, take it. Yeah, I think it probably strengthens our our passion for what we do. Like as as like much as it sometimes complicates it, it it, 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 it like gives us more fire to to do what we do and to just want to bring the fucking wall down. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Just, it, I think it makes us more keenly aware of how stupid it is, you know, <laughs> just how unnecessary it is. Yes, it sucks, though, sometimes. Yeah. Well, we have to cross in its hours, and it's like, you know what, fuck it, we'll stay at home. <laughs> yeah. But that's rare. We always just kind of take one for the team. Would you say that you guys have more of an audience uh, north or south of the border? Haven't had. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's probably pretty equal. I mean, in terms of like, if, if we didn't have data, you know, because now we have analytics for everything in terms of being able to track on Spotify and shit, mm-hmm. I would say it's pretty equal in terms of like people showing up to our shows and shit, but definitely more people listen to us in Latin America. <laughs> yeah. Who's the better yeah. crowd? In states or states or Mexico? Who shows I more love? Magic crowds in both sides. Yeah, they're never really. It just depends on the day, honestly. Yeah, yeah. We've had some pretty crazy shows on both sides. Yeah. And some pretty shitty shows on both sides. <laughs> yeah. Hector. Yeah, yeah, so fuck Hector. I think, I think their people are pretty similar. Going back, like, with speaking on social topics in your music, you know, like, like you said, like, right now in the era of Trump, you know, political discourse in this country is the most partisan and divided like it's ever really been in recent memory. What are your thoughts on not just political discourse in this country, but the way that other musicians address it? Do you think that there's enough of that happening in hip hop right now? Just overall in general? Yeah, I think there's more than ever, personally. Like, it's a weird mix because I think some people are desensitized to hearing about certain afflictions that go on. 
right? That's the problem with our world. Like, even when we do have, like, something catastrophic that happens, it's like a click of the all of a sudden, walks the next Kim Kardashian topic or something. It's weird, like, how it can get drowned out. But I do think there's more people willing to speak than there probably has ever been just because there's a platform to do so. And it's, like, encouraged, I guess. Like, you hear, even if it's just one line in a rap song, like, I think people do talk about politics or, or the state of things more than they ever do, whether that does anything or not. I have not a lot with the times, you know? Like, for example, like, gay rappers are, are very, like, it's, it's a very common thing to see now, whereas 10, 15 years ago, that was completely... Almost not, non-existent. Yeah, like, not accepted. Now, now, like, some of the biggest, literally the biggest rappers in the country, Lil Nas, Tyler, Brockhampton, like... All these people, who, you know what I mean? It's it's. Well, Tyler's not gay. He's like oh, whatever. He's gay. He's important. No, he is gay. He 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 said he wrote Igor about a, about a dude he had a, he was in love No, he's he's serious. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was joking. Frank Ocean. Frank Ocean. Like Frank Ocean. No, but Tyler, I think people thought he was joking, but I don't think he was. Maybe he's not. Right. I don't know, man. He said he wrote Igor about it. Anyways. The point is, I do think I think hip hop is very socially in tune with the times. Do we say that hip hop is the power to build unity and enlighten audiences more so because of the the history of the genre? You know, like it like it dates back to the to pretty much the beginning. You know, like addressing social topics, whether it's inequality or racism, uh, whether that's systemic or interpersonal you do you think that the music the genre itself lends itself more to addressing that in the music i think music in general personally because I, I actually when i interviewed someone i asked them the same question andy internets of the travelers club and rick scales and they were both like yes but also no like in the beginning hip-hop was just about like a dj parting and b-boys going like get up yo and dance y'all and like it wasn't necessarily about like protesting it was about dancing and having a good time mm-hmm in the same way that, like, I think it's just music in general. Yeah, hip-hop has had that that thread, of course. But it also started in, in, as as a way to have a good time, like like most genres. So I think music in general has a power to to w- bring people together, wake people up. Yeah. Hip-hop has that, of course. But I, I was like, I thought the same thing that you just asked me, and, and I was corrected. And, and then I went back to it, and I was like, okay, I guess you're right. Like, in the beginning, the B-Boys weren't like, we got to stand up for a rise. All right, and the MCs weren't doing that. They were like literally saying the most simplistic, you know, just like get down, yo. And like you go back to those days, and it's. I, I also used to think that it was like in the beginning, hip hop just started as this political vehicle, but it didn't. Like not every song was like Grandmaster Flash is the message or anything like that, you know. Right, it wasn't. It was like you know, it, it was it just was about feeling good and having a good time. Something especially African American people at the time, like the people and stuff, call their own, especially because there was. Music was just being, I don't know, it was taken over so much, like, like captured. So they especially were able to cultivate this sound that no one else could replicate. Yeah. And, no, and in fact, in the beginning, no one really understood it, too. Mm-hmm. So, and then, of course, it spread all, all the way up to the West I think Coast. that's what makes it inherently political. Yeah. The fact that it was started by like a group that had been oppressed for so long, and it was a celebration. Right. And I think that's what made makes it an inherently like powerful vehicle and, and political because it, it signifies like black freedom and like they didn't want that at that time mm-hmm. yeah man so you know with that said you guys just released low-key bangerville how does this album how's this different from your guys's past projects you know like um and was the recording experience different also as opposed to your past ones as well i've been waiting so long Que me construye un corazón. I think it's because we took so more time on it to cultivate it. We knew how special it was going to be. We all had a similar vision, even though it was kind of like 
I'm, I'm sure it was just distorted in the beginning. We're trying to figure out exactly how to move through it. But it was all the same. It all ended up in the same path. And because we took so much time to, again, like, cultivate it and, and change it and move it around and find the pieces that made sense. And, um, of course, the recording process was not necessarily fully different um, because we all still... However, with, like, Andre Elias, who helped us sculpt it, basically, um, we did a lot of major recording in, like, Rarefied Studio. Um, so that was a difference, I guess. We weren't just doing things from home. Um, and, yeah, like, I don't know. Loki, Loki Bangers feel just super spiritual, super different, super different vibe. Um, it's hard to really put into words. It's kind of strange. Yeah, it's think- changed so much, and it's... It's strange. I think. I mean, it's a masterpiece now, though. <laughs> it's the first. It's the first thing like that we worked on together, all the three of us, from like start to finish, and from almost we started working on it almost as soon as we met two years ago. Yeah. Um, so I think the biggest thing it gave us, like, we just like I think we really learned how to trust each other and trust the, trust the process more than anything because it's changed so many times and we yeah. all had to kind of like yeah nobody, we were nobody could keep up with all the shit we're releasing, but still that album it was not we didn't release it because at the t- any times that we were supposed to because it wasn't ready. And we and Andre, like the mixing engineer and, and producer in some of these songs, like was involved in this process and we went to the studio for the first time as to lengua. Yeah. So it was like this was this was really a work of art I and, and a concept that we put so much time into. We were trying to channel making it sound as best as possible, I think too. Yeah. We didn't want to just not to say we give didn't give a fuck in the beginning about the sound, we just I think in our hearts I knew I kept saying well, this has gotta this has gotta be audibly like well, yeah, and I think we took everything that we had done and like, it's almost like we had been on like a little little like rocket ship. And with Loki, it feels like we broke through the stratosphere of ourselves. Like we took everything that we had done and learned together and shot it out to space and broke, you know, really kind of broke our limitations as a band. Yeah, man. And changed now we're working us. on the next one. <laughs> so, right, we're working on the next one. <laughs> we're actually on, we're pretty far along on the next one. Oh wow! Yeah, we're almost done. Yeah. I would say, but who knows? We always say that the next thing. Yeah. <laughs> where did you guys come up with the name for the album? How, where does that derive from? Alan was an acid. <laughs> <laughs> I did a lot of acid. Um, no, I didn't. I don't do acid anymore. Um, <laughs> I it actually is kind of a funny story. It was when we were working on Baja Funk. It, was, it goes back a long time. When, when we made the beat to Easy to Be Hard, which is a song on there, mm-hmm. I turned, I, I was like programming something and I turned to Slack and I'm like, yo, dude, this is a Loki banger. And, and, and Slack off, like, without thinking, he's like, Loki bangersville. And I'm like, dog, that's an album. We're <laughs> making an album. And it just kind of like stuck. I don't know. It just, as soon as I met them, like, I was like, yo, Loki bangersville, let's make an album. And it, and it worked. I don't know. <laughs> it happened. Nice. And it'd be so much more than I could have ever imagined. And then we start naming all our albums. Yeah, and then we have we have like our next six albums named. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny you say that because Easily Be Hard is, was like my first song I heard from you guys. And like I was like, these guys are dope. Like I, got, like, I can't even hear more. How'd you hear about us? Um, actually, I came across you guys in that City Beat article that you guys were in. Oh. Yeah, that's cool. I think I got a lot of local people hooked, uh, hip hip to it. Yeah, I saw. I um, I read that, and then I saw that you guys were you guys did the events with Border Angels because I know Jackie who does the the water drops. Mm-hmm. We did a water drop recently. Yeah, Jackie was the leader. Oh, that's Jackie. Jackie. Yeah. So you guys said that like you guys are already working on the next album then. We're actually working on the next two or three albums simultaneously. It's weird. Yeah. We, we have, honestly, it's, it's, it's a crazy thing. Like I said, I've, I've been in a lot of bands, but this band is something else, man. <laughs> it's like, we have so much fucking music. I think it's because we all three of us make beats and we all write very quickly. And like, I don't know, there's some weird synergy, cosmic shit happening between the three of us where we make shit very quickly and we're always inspired. And like one of us will send something to the other one and it'll become something else. And it's just... We have hundreds of songs. We have so many fucking songs. Wow. Not too much. It's kind of scary, That's man. probably why it took so long to resource. Yeah, we were just saying, like, it, like it's almost stressful. Not, in a good way, it's a good problem to have, but, like, 
I think it's probably that part of the reason, yeah, like Amari said, why Loki took so long because we released so many things in the meantime because another song is made and we're like, oh, fuck, let's finish this one. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, a, it's just a never-ending stream. I, ho- I hope it's never-ending. <laughs> What's the typical process for, like, a two-language song? Do you guys normally write everything there on the spot with each other or do you guys, like, do stuff individually and they come to one of the, okay, I got this – and I got that, and do you guys go back and change things? Because I know that like, even though you guys are a group, there's a little bit of a competitive nature, you know, among group members most of the time in hip-hop. I don't think, like Alan said, like, there's a formula. Like, sometimes it can happen with the weirdest shit, like, us being in a car and someone just says some dumb shit, and that dumb shit becomes a song. We made songs, and every time it's different, and it always is evolving. Or sometimes we make the song, and on the spot, like, that's, it's done. Yeah, like there's been times when like I don't know, Jimmy shows us a beat, we write our shit on the spot. Amari shows us a beat, then then that beat that she showed us that we thought was super cool, like becomes the end of Purple Planet. The first song on the album, it's like the end of the song is a beat that she had shown us years ago, and like we added me and him added bass, and then the drummer, and like Purple Planet. I don't know. There's no. There's literally no way to quantify or formulate how we do it because every single time it's so different it just happens yeah literally there was one time Amari was just saying something stupid in the car and Jimmy's like recorded it like it's important and, just... <laughs> and then that was the song and it's like there's, there's no there's just it's, that song is cool as fuck we stay on our toes yeah <laughs> we have like three iPhone beats on the next album yeah yeah it's a trip so, like, when you guys release, like, the next music, are you going to, like, release that all at once? Because like, you said you had, like, what, three albums worth of material? We do, but it's not – three albums worth of material, but it's not polished. It's, like, conceptually, like some, – sometimes what's cool about having, like, these album concepts, which we have very developed, is, like, we make a new song and you're, like – we're, like, oh, that that's perfect for this album. So we kind of, like, put it over there. Mm-hmm. And then but, – but new songs come about all the time, so – no, we're not going to release it all at once. We don't really... After this, Loki came out, we're kind of not trying to think about dates too much. Like, we, we just want to finish stuff, and then once it's finished, we figure out, like, when we want to release stuff. But we're going to continue doing what we've been doing, which is releasing singles and random songs as we work on kind of grander concept albums. Mm-hmm. Which is really cool because you guys, like, it, you don't see very many hip-hop artists doing concept albums that much these days anymore no you don't you know for the <laughs> most about the single, right like it's i mean you kind of do sometimes too though like Astro World, which came out recently was kind of a concept ish like a loose loose concept mm-hmm. but yeah it's i guess in general and like in bands bands don't do concept albums too much anymore it's all about the concept because it kind of we have so much music again so it kind of anchors us into a specific aesthetic like I think that's what's so helpful for us. Like when we come up with, like we have, like, like I said, like two or three album ideas, and that we we all understand inherently what that album feels like and what it is. We create from that. So we create when we create a song, we know where to put it. Like, yeah. And sometimes we create songs that don't belong on any of them, so we just put them out. Mm-hmm. And you guys, and you guys are very good with the social media too, like interacting with the fans and sharing the stories. We have fun with it. <laughs> no, we're good. We just have fun. We treat it as part of the art, you know? I think, like, every post, every caption, stories, like, A, is we just have fun with it, but I think we also treat it as part of the art. You know, and with that said, you know, what advice do you guys have for young artists and musicians that want to get into making um, music of their own, especially people that want to make music that has, like, a, a positive and uplifting message in their music? Just be real, man. Be yourself, man. Don't be afraid to like try something new. 
Said, you know, where can people find you guys online to follow you, uh, hear all your music, and get the latest updates for shows, promotions, and any other event, Tulengua related events? Well, just look up Tulengua on anything, and we'll show up. Tulengua, one word. Uh, Tulengua.mx is our website. Um, Tulengua está nice on Instagram. Tulengua on Spotify. Honestly, if you type Tulengua to Google, we're the only thing that shows up if it's one word. All right. And you guys are on Twitter also. Yeah, but we're not we're not very we're not very active. I've been on it the last few days just because I've been talking to some people on there. But it's we're not we don't we're not a big fan of Twitter. <laughs> I don't even have a phone, man. So Instagram, we're big on Instagram. The in- Instagram's the best place. <laughs> we like Instagram. Do you guys have any closing comments or anything else you'd like to let um, the listeners know about Tulengua that I might have missed? appreciate you guys taking your time this evening to speak with me. Hey man, we appreciate that. Yeah man, thank you. Peace dog. This episode of Step Off Radio is recorded at the Justice Center, San Diego. And our music was done by DJ Root. This has been a Step Off Magazine production.